My stepfather grew up on a dairy farm, and even though he's been an assessor for many, many years now, he's never been able to stay far away from the land. And in fact, uh, he typically, on his uh, family farm, which he still owns but doesn't uh, plow or reap from, he keeps about 15 or 20 head of Hereford cattle, does his own hay cutting and baling and so on, though he's just had rotator cuff surgery, so he's probably not doing that right now. Each year, his cows give birth to about five calves, and like all baby animals, they're really cute. They tend to hang out together after they're about a week or two old. They play with each other, and they explore, and so on. But as soon as they are hungry or something scares them, and cows are pretty skittish, they're easily scared, each one of the calves runs right away to its own mother. Now, my, my mother did not grow up on a farm. She's from a paper mill town in central Wisconsin where there aren't any farms because the land is swamp, and so they have cranberry bogs instead. But my mother loves to watch the cows, and it never ceases to amaze her. She says over and over again, how do the calves know their own mothers? All these cows look the same. At least to me, they do. Yet these frolicking little calves know right away which one is mom. And I suppose there's a combination of sight and smell. But their instinct isn't so different from that of a human child. You've probably seen it happen uh, if you're in a, a store or something and there's a young mother and a young child. And let's say the child is curious and discovers something on a shelf and wanders off a little bit. And then the child all of a sudden realizes, wait a minute, where's mom? Turns around and because children grow up in very sheltered environments for the most part and are accustomed to having only one adult woman around, the first adult female body they usually mistake for their mother. And then when they look up and see that it's not mom's face, they get nervous. And then the actual mother will call them and with relief they'll run over to their mothers. The child belongs to his mother in a way that, that doesn't apply even to fathers. The child, of course, probably can't recall the nine months inside his mother's body, but like the baby calves, somehow that visceral connection remains. That first relationship that we have, that first bond that we have with another human being, it sets the stage for so much of our understanding of the world and how we relate to everybody else. So, for instance, in a negative sense, it can be shown that a child that is taken away from its mother and not given the kind of normal maternal attention that is typical of an infant can grow up lacking the ability to relate to, uh, to other people, sometimes at all. The philosopher Plato suggested that the perfect state would be one that would deliberately take children away from their mothers, precisely because this would remove all loyalties to family and kin, so that the state could command all devotion. So the child-mother relationship is constitutive of so many of our, uh, the way in which we experience ourselves. And as we become adults, there's a threshold to clear. It's to come to a mature understanding of the ways in which this relationship with my particular mother has conditioned my responses to life. With one exception in history, all mothers have had character flaws. And besides, raising a child to be his or her own person is a huge challenge to allow someone to uh, experience the dangers of the world without intervening too soon 
uh, to give the child enough freedom to discover himself without hurting himself. This is hard. So it's not surprising that some of our habits of relating to others have undergone a certain amount of distortion because of our parents. And, of course, they had the same experience with their parents and so on. Uh, This is just the human condition. Using this negative example, it seems quite fitting that the one sinless man should be the son of a sinless mother. And yet, we, too, have been baptized into Christ, baptized into his body, that same physical body that he used when he walked on earth. We make up members of this sinless man now. In our regeneration, our rebirth at baptism, we've been given a new mother, the mother of God, to be our mother. Do we recognize her when we're in trouble? Do we have that same instinct that the biological child has for his mother according to the flesh? Do we, by the instinct of faith, run to marry our mother? Or do we perhaps respond to Our Lady in a way that we've come to respond to our birth mothers, which isn't always perfect either. uh, Let's let's not pick on mothers here. We as children aren't always perfect either. As we grow up through adolescence and into adulthoods, our lives are often marked by experiments in trying to break free of the relationship with our parents and our mothers. And sometimes... Uh, we can come to be somewhat resentful of the restrictions that our parents put on our efforts at self-discovery and self-assertion. Have we carried over this suspicion in this relationship uh, with our mothers in the flesh to our mother according to the Spirit? Or can we grow out of this? Can we learn to identify this in ourselves so that we can have greater faith, greater trust in the Church and in Our Lady? When we look at how Our Lady raised Jesus under very difficult circumstances, this was not a usual family life, as much as we celebrate the Holy Family. Look how thoughtful she is when the child is precocious. Um, Not all parents are excited when their children are precocious, because this can, can cause problems, you know. Or when others act strangely around him, say strange things about this child. Our Lady is never afraid or touchy or possessive or something like this, right? When our Lord has even some very challenging things to say about his family relationships, about his true mother and brothers and sisters, or when he disappears from the caravan, or when he responds abruptly to his mother's request for wine at the wedding at Cana, she doesn't scold him or Remember, you're speaking to your mother, right? She doesn't say those sorts of things. She doesn't try to manipulate him by emotional appeals of any kind. But neither does she ever abandon him or neglect him. She's always there. She's always there sharing, pondering, reflecting, watching, paying attention. She loves and cares for her son, and she offers him back to the father, as a fitting gift, as a fitting sacrifice for our sins. And is she not offering to do this for us today? Let us turn frequently to this best of mothers, our true mother, the mother of all the living, and entrust ourselves to her maternal solicitude. Let us ask us to help her to know her son better and better, to teach us the mysteries of Christ, which she knew better than anyone, being his mother. 
This new year will undoubtedly continue to bring us great challenges to our faith. Uh, When we are afraid, perhaps it's because like the child who has misidentified his mother in the store, we are seeking comfort and consolation from the wrong sources. Let us lift up our eyes like that child in the store again and see the face of our common mother and run to her. And the anxieties of the day will melt away like so much frost. Let us see in her the type of the burning bush, fully on fire with divine, the divine presence, yet still fully human, still one of us, uh, model for us in our relationship with God through our baptisms. This is a sign of the nearness of the power of God in our own lives. And we touch this saving reality every time we turn back to the Mother of God. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to your protection, implored your help, or sought your intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, we fly unto thee, O Virgin of Virgins, our Mother. To thee we come before we we stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not our petitions, but in your mercy hear and answer them.